Welcome to Collecting Real Estate. This is a podcast where we discuss the collections that real estate investors have built and dive into the stories, habits, and decisions that got them to where they are. My name is Stephen Purse, and I'm here with my co-host, Bill Hamill. Good morning, Stephen. This is great. I'm in New York. You're in Puerto Rico, and our guest is absolutely crushing it in real estate. Yeah, I'm excited for this one today. Really happy to be here with Robert Musso. Thanks, guys. I'm really excited to be a part of this show. Um, I'd like to tell you a little bit about myself um, and how I got to this particular point. But um, after almost 20 years in the, in corporate America within hotel and hospitality sector, um, I was always investing in real estate while I was in corporate America. But I decided to take the leap of faith uh, several years back to jump into the world of entrepreneurialism um, and handle real estate full time. So I'm now a real estate professional full time. I currently live in New Jersey. I have um, assets in a handful of different states within the single multifamily and student housing space. And I'm excited to talk with you gentlemen today about how I got here and some other exciting and fun topics as well. Well, that's fantastic, Robert. We appreciate it once again. And I am very impressed with, after I talked to you the first time, we seem to have so much in common based on our experiences in real estate. And I've really been watching you closely over the past several months. And can you share with us some of your most recent experience with your multifamily uh, deal finding? Absolutely. Um, and feelings mutual, Bill. Um, I, I, you know, I'm so excited to be a part of our real estate family. It was wonderful talking to you. I can't agree more. We had so many common uh, denominators, um, you know, uh, you know, between the two of us. So I, I'd love to share a little bit about some of my recent um, real estate successes and, and how I got to this point. Um, I was heavily involved in the smaller space. And I mentioned this to everyone that I speak to, I did over 50 transactions in the one to 25 unit space, um, predominantly in the Northeast. I did everything under the sun um, from construction to project management. Um, I ran my own property management for many years. Um, I had sheetrock falling on my head to dealing with local uh, economic and development officials, um, sitting in the advisory board um, sections for banks, getting those loans. Um, and I did all of that to get as much experience as possible um, in those smaller assets, the, the single families, the two units, the five units, the 10 units, the 20 units. And then eventually a few years ago, I wanted to break into the larger real estate space now that I had, you know, some pillars in place and a lot of deep understanding of how um, assets are run um, in certain markets, A to Z. Um, so recently, I started to grow an extended team to have boots on the ground in some different states and areas that I was targeting. So right now, today, I am targeting four states in particular, which is Pennsylvania, Virginia, North and South Carolina. 
And within this, within these particular locations, we're growing in the 25 to 100 unit asset class. Um, with that being said, we spent a lot of time in 2019 and 2020, um, you know, um, doing feasibility studies in some of these markets we've been targeting. We hit the streets, we're canvassing markets, meeting with a lot of different people and growing our teams. And eventually it led to a ton of activity in mid to end of 2020, which furthermore led to uh, LOIs and contracts this year. So what you're seeing now, Bill, is a lot of that hitting the pavement and hard work equating to some results. Um, and we do have a handful of deals in contract now within Pennsylvania, Virginia, North and South Carolina, with more to come in the pipeline in some other avenues as well. No, I bet. And I can't help but to comment on that beginning part of your real estate investing and how you made a living and all of the many things that you were doing. And all I have to ask is, did you feel like a lot of that was looking back a distraction from what you're doing or what you wanted to do or what you could have done back then that you're doing now? Um, yes. So when I was, you know, now that I'm older, I know I don't like to Monday morning quarterback, but my biggest regrets are that I didn't do it sooner. So I spent a lot of years in corporate America, you know, dreaming of the day I would leave, dreaming of the day I would be financially free and not have to report to a military style nine to five job plus plus because it, the job I had, it was lots of travel. Um, it was it was not nine to five. It was evenings. It was weekends. It was heavy travel. It was living in trains, planes and automobiles, literally traveling around, around the country and the world constantly. So I was dibbling and dabbling in real estate all of those years, setting up some safety nets. But I wish that I would have given it a chance sooner and just took the plunge. But um, I did not. And everything happens for a particular reason. So um, now looking back, um, it was meant to be the way it was meant to be. And so um, a lot of people also ask me, why did I start in the smaller space? And again, I had full control of these assets. I was either 50% owner, 75% owner, or 100% owner. They were mostly joint ventures with good friends, family, and other business associates. I did a few syndications, but I'm, you know, I'm 47 years old. I'm not out of college now. L life was a little bit different there. We're in a cycle right now, which is very, very hot. You know, where with with cap rates very low, with interest rates very low, things are very different. Twenty years ago, fifteen years ago, ten years ago, so I was working within the elements of the economy, um, in addition to my personal life. Um, but today, completely different um, environment, completely different area, and you can still find opportunity. I truly believe you can find opportunity in every market cycle. So, um, so that's what I'm exploring right now. Um, and excited to keep the deal flow going, the activity going and pushing forward so that I can have similar results no matter what is in front of us as far as obstacles. Although that corporate job wasn't what you wanted at the time, I'm sure there's no understating how important that experience was to get you to where you are today. I'm wondering, do you, what, what kind of challenges do you face having four different markets and trying to manage that at the same time? Yeah, great. Absolutely great question. Um, narrowing down I talk about this all the time with, with members on my team. Um, 
right now, you know, you've probably heard this expression before, we are all subject to the shiny object that is making us turn left and right. Um, because there's so much activity, everything's in front of us because of social media. Um, we're all in these particular real estate groups where you're seeing others do this, others do that. And you're getting deals in Phoenix, Arizona and Des Moines, Iowa and Tampa, Florida, and it's all over the place. But you brought up a good point, Stephen, my many, many years in corporate America provided me with structure and organization. And I was a senior executive where I had to have discipline and organization and set very specific goals that were measurable, attainable, realistic. And I had to attack and, 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 you know, and, and achieve these goals and exceed these goals. I was in sales and marketing. So I bring that into my entrepreneurialism today. And your, to your point, Stephen, I have to focus on several states and targeted states um, instead of being all over the place. So I'm boots on the ground in New Jersey, which gives me extreme access to Pennsylvania in a very, very quick ride. I'm also very close to uh, Virginia um, and a couple of my team members are in North and South Carolina as well. So they're covering those particular states. So our focus is on those four states, not just because we believe in the metrics and we believe in the future of these uh, particular locations, but we have experienced boots on the ground, asset management, underwriting, and team members um, in place. So it's a very good question. And that's the reason why um, I believe we've been successful because we have all eyes on on the ball. We have um, boots to the, on the ground and we have our heads to the pavement while we were attacking these markets. There's something else I've noticed, Robert, online, because I haven't spoke to you in a little bit, is your deals, but also just as important as the deals are your partners. You seem to have put together an all-star team did you have a relationship with these partners or did you nurture relationships, find these relationships and just find the right people to move forward on your new deals? Uh, great question. And, and thanks for pointing that out. It's, it's a little bit of both. Um, I'm working with, um, you know, I, I believe that you can't build a house with 10 hammers, right? Everybody has to play a particular tool. Um, and I'm working with a few partners right now of different, uh, in different locations, different ages, um, and different skill sets. And so a couple of my business partners are alumni um, in college and high school, who I did not speak to for many, many years. We've met through the power of networking online or through alumni groups. We started to form and build relationships, get to know each other personally and professionally um, and what our goals and skill sets were. And then a couple of others um, I met through other mastermind groups and it took months and months of, you know, um, phone calls and Zoom calls and in-person meetings to establish relationships and synergy and trust and passion for the same goals. So that's another reason why 2019 and 2020 was, I say slower as far as the deal flow, even though we had deals in place and we were working those deals, the deal flow was slower because we were building teams and attacking other markets. And then eventually the end of 2020, it all came into place as we were building these teams. And we're never done with, with building teams. We're always forming strategic relationships right now. Um, as a syndicator, 
you know, you can form uh, different teams deal after deal in addition to your existing teams. There's strategic partnerships, um, you know, with limited partners who turn into capital raise folks who turn into other, um, you know, uh, who, who might have other skill sets to offer in, in other deals. Um, but to your point, Bill, yeah, that's how it all started. It took a little bit of time to nurture these relationships and grow synergy and then finally form them to where I am today um, for some of these deals in front of us right now. You mentioned starting with single family, multifamily, a little bit of student housing, and then a little bit of syndication as well. Do you still manage those different types of assets or are you focused on the one specific type of deal? Um, another great question, Stephen. I actually decided that at this point that I no longer want to manage those properties. So what what I did, I, I did a two-prong approach to some of the assets I had in Pennsylvania, for example, which were a lot of the smaller ones. I liquidated a lot of the smaller ones where I forced um, a great deal of equity and then the emergence of the markets in these particular areas with cap rate compression um, allowed me to liquidate a lot of these assets with strong returns. Then I um, took the took the capital that I that I um, that I allocated from the sale into into new deals where I have skin in the game on my own syndications. I'm also diversified. And Bill, we've talked about this before too. I'm diversified as a KP, a GP, and an LP myself. I'm diversified within my own diversified assets. So I am a passive limited partner in deals. I'm a general partner in deals. I'm a KP on deals, and I'm a combination of all three. Um, and then the remainder of the smaller properties that I had, Stephen, I basically worked hard to find property management that would take over all those assets. That freed me up to play different roles that I've been um, interested in implementing into my day to day, um, you know, more senior level roles, um, more boots on the ground and travel for me, let property management handle the day to day, which would allow me to play more asset management roles and oversee things as well as site acquisitions, um, due diligence, um, and canvassing markets and meeting with team members. And, and most importantly, I'm in sales and marketing. So I'm always out meeting investors, networking and, and investor relations and things of that nature as well. Robert, I want to jump into a segment called Plastic Wrapped Favorite. In most collections, whether it's baseball cards or Beanie Babies, the collector has a favorite and they usually store it in some sort of plastic. I'm hoping your favorite real estate isn't wrapped in plastic, but I do want to hear more about it, whether it's your favorite deal or just a good neighborhood or something that was fun to go through with. Can you tell us more about your favorite deal, favorite purchase? Absolutely. There's, 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 there's a beautiful little town in Pennsylvania called Easton, Pennsylvania. It's in a very emerging part of Pennsylvania called the Lehigh Valley. Um, now I've done a lot of small deals in this particular section, but there were two properties in particular that I wound up buying next to one another in this beautiful historical district next to restaurants and retail and farmers markets and whatnot. And um, two fun things happened with these particular buildings. I, I took a 6,000 square foot, um, very, very distressed, beautiful stone building, and I converted it into these gorgeous two bedroom, two baths, um, luxury condominiums um, style apartments with a um, very nice commercial space um, in the front. And I was able to implement modern meets old school historical design and that's 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 a style and design that i've that i wanted to accomplish 
for quite some time in this location. I've, I've done it in other parts of Pennsylvania, like Lancaster, Pennsylvania, Philadelphia, but we were able to finally implement it into this area. It led to some eyes on the ball um, with the local officials and community members and something else fun and exciting happened with that. I had a building right next door, which is very beautiful from the curb appeal. Um, and this local artist um, came over and wanted to create a beautiful mural on the side of the building. And then there was a local mural committee in town. And so they donated this beautiful mural uh, to the building. So these two buildings right next to one another, I was able to keep the old school stone, beautiful charm with some modern twists. And then my building next door, I have this enormous mural from a local artist on it. And uh, it's right next to the farmer's markets and all the restaurants. And it's, and every time I go into town, I, I look back from a few years ago and say, what a fun project and, and look at this beautiful result with a lot of people helping in town to get me to that point. So um, even though they might be smaller, it, 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 it has a big impact on, uh, on, on what I was doing in the area. So uh, those are two examples for, um, you know, recently that I accomplished. Being able to see that you made an impact on, on a small community like that has to be so rewarding. I'm curious, did you have any tax benefits or historical credits for a project like that? Yes, yeah, it's, it's funny you bring that up. I was just talking about it yesterday because we're doing some work in Columbia, South Carolina right now. And I'm working with some tax credits and historical grants and facade grants and loans on some of these projects I'm doing in the historical district within this area in South Carolina. But I, I, I did the same exact um, scenario in Pennsylvania. So um, I was able to get facade grants where I transformed the facade of the building um, through a grant provided by the municipality. I've done lead abatement grants where I was renovating townhouses and the city kindly provided me with um, non-refundable loans and grants for every townhouse I did, replacing windows that had lead, replacing anything in the property that had lead. And it was a, it was a you know non-forgivable loan, um, you know ten thousand dollars per townhouse. I've also done historical tax credits and uh, tax abatement um, grants as well. So a combination of a lot of different things that helped me out and obviously helped the returns and the community and the block and, and, you know, so on and so forth. So. So good. And once you get that experience, it just snowballs. You, you do it one place, you learn the, the formulas, the systems, you do it again, and it just gets easier and easier and you get better at it and you see the results. No, I agree. And, and what's also neat is that I never think that, I know everything or what I've experienced in the past is going to completely emulate itself into a new market. And yes, you know, the facade grant in Pennsylvania is going to be different than the one in South Carolina, but you've experienced it before. And that the idea, so we go into the new market, the idea starts to uh, resonate. I've done this in the past. Is it available here? And then you start exploring and realize that it is. And then how could we, you know, emulate what we've done in another market into this market and use those examples and, and, and show the excitement and passion to other members of what we've done in the past and how we want to bring it to this new market. And it snowballs. You're exactly right, Stephen. It snowballs. And then everyone gets excited. And then they realize that, you know what, you're not in this community just for the cash flow. You're not in this community just to buy another building and, and, and have, you know, you have it for yourself. You, you are there to benefit other levels of the community. And that's what it's all about. Um, and and the, it's the economies of scale when you have a bunch of investors 
all marching down that same lane, it can definitely impact the smaller community exponentially if you're all mar marching down that same lane with those same goals and visions. So it's very exciting. And I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, to finishing off the year with some of these new uh, assets into, into 2022. It's such a good message. I'm wondering, with all that experience at high level corporate hotel experience, did you have any interest in short term rentals? Great question. Absolutely. 100%. And we're pursuing that right now. Um, in addition, um, so we have a heavy concentration of multifamily uh, sprinkled in with um, an elevated level of student housing. But now we are concentrating on STR Airbnb space um, in these particular communities. So I am looking at destinations as well, which I love because of my hotel background. But the STR space in urban cities, which is a little bit more transient and corporate, I'm also all about because I've, I have a lot of experience down that road. So we are actually negotiating a few deals right now where the bread and butter of the deal um, and will be um, STR um, you know, revenue uh, for these particular assets. So hopefully, fingers crossed, things go well over the next few weeks, but we are bringing that into the, into the portfolio as well. So great question. And yes, uh, it's something that I've been, um, I've had an interest in for quite some time and I'm excited to now bring it into the portfolio. It seems like once someone catches this real estate bug, it's hard to get rid of it and you almost get addicted to it. But I love hearing the stories of where you get that interest from. Was there anyone that inspired you or mentored you into the real estate industry? Yes, there was. My 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 mother and father and my grandparents. Um, you know, they were extremely influential. My entire family is from Italy. My mother was born in Italy as well. So, um, in particular, Sicily, and they came to this country. And they wanted to take advantage of the American dream, like many, many other cultures and many, many other people who immigrate here. And, um, you know, I basically grew up in an environment where my mother and father didn't have much, but they started their own businesses. And with the little money they had, they started their businesses in assets that they owned. And they even further compartmentalized it where my father and mother bought two commercial storefronts right next to one another. My dad opened up the quintessential hardware store. My mother opened up the quintessential travel agency when there was no internet, when there was no home and low um, home depot and Lowe's. And I was just embedded in that environment since I was a little boy. So I, I, you know, I saw the travel, I saw the, the, the hardware store. I worked with local contractors. I was stirring paint, um, making screens, selling lawn mowers. Then I would bounce over to my mother's store and help, um, help her with travel brochures. And as I'm organizing the travel brochures, I'm going, mom, what's Cancun, Mexico, mom, what's Rome, Italy, mom, what's Athens, Greece. And she would teach me a little bit about that. I learned as I got older and when I was in high school, how they're running the books, how they're running the business. I saw my dad's, you know, um, organized approach to how, you know, his business was successful because he also owned the real estate. And um, from there, it inspired me um, to potentially one day be an entrepreneur on my own. I did go to college and I did, you know, obviously go to corporate America, but I knew because of what my parents did that one day I should jump into the entrepreneurial world 
uh, myself. So they were the biggest inspirations. And 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 my my grandparents and parents were by far the foundation of why I am where I am today. So you, you caught the bug early on. Very, very early. Yes. It's hard to so, get rid of it. It's very difficult, but you know, it's not for everyone. My only sibling, my sister, she polar opposite. Uh, she's a school teacher and no interest at all. You have to have a passion for anything you do in life. That's it. Um, you Passion is what has to drive you. And then there are other factors. Like right now, I'm happily married with two beautiful boys. They drive me. So my sons drive me now. I'm at a different level of life. I do everything for my family. Um, of course, I love many other aspects of the financial freedom and growing the assets and the partnerships. But at the end of the day, I'm doing this all for my family, just like my family did it for me. And hopefully it just continues generation after generation. So, Have you seen a shift in your day-to-day thinking as you've gone from the corporate world to the entrepreneurial mindset? Yes. So, you know, the corporate America was great because it gave me organization, structure, discipline, formed many partnerships and relationships with people. But at the end of the day, no matter how high my salary was, no matter how great my fringe benefits were, it wasn't my day-to-day W-2 job wasn't a part of my future uh, and, and, and my children, generational wealth. The real estate today, I can pass on to my children. I can create generational wealth. Um, no matter what happens with the economy, it's brick and mortar and it, it, it could create equity and cash flow um, and still have value. Um, if I get laid off in corporate America, I have to find a new job. I have to start all over. Real estate provides me with other opportunities. But what corporate America also did was it makes you realize the importance of relationships. And at the end of the day, um, it's about people. So, you know, everybody has a different level of how they envision things. But for me, it's about people. It's about trust. It's about honesty, empathy, um, you know, things of that nature, morals, professionalism. Nothing else matters to me. I'd, I'd rather walk away from 10 deals if it's, going to, if, if it's going to lead to something unscrupulous or I don't want to get into partnerships with people just for the sake of the deal. I want to get into partnerships with people uh, for the relationships and the long-term picture. So, um, so you know, all of that is embedded into my daily foundation and moral compass as I, as I move on weekly. Um, so that's kind of how I think of things right now.